Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. It's your boy Blair, back with another week. Oh, thank you for being here. I'm so happy. You guys, I have good news to report. You know how I told you last week that I had a swollen head? It's still really swollen, but I went to the doctor and she said that I just have a very swollen lymph node and that it's going to be like that for one to two months. She said, have you been very sick lately? And I said, no, but I have been on a plane every weekend for the past three months. Um, (laughs) She said, okay, that'll do it. And don't expect it to go down for a while. But that was a huge relief because I have had very swollen lymph nodes all throughout my life, obviously with this uh, voice on the front of my neck, you know, under my ears, that type of thing. But I didn't know that we have lymph nodes on the back of our head. Thank God. Um, anyways, shout out to my sweet facialist, um, Vivian at Honest Rituals, like just a very kind healing woman who told me that I should go get checked out at the doctor and then my doctor for putting me at ease. I said, do I need an MRI, bitch? And she said, no, only if it doubles in size. And I said, oh my God, I can't imagine this thing doubling in size. You know what the back of my head looks like? It looks like a motherfucking blobfish. Have you guys ever seen a picture of those? Oh God. Um, what other fun stuff? Oh, I was on the podcast, All Fantasy Everything. You guys know that podcast? With David Bory and Ian Carmel and Sean Jordan. That was a really fun one if you want to check that out. And Doug Loves Movies also this past week. That was fun. What else is going on? Uh, Still looking for love. Yeah, you will find that. You will hear about that with Christy. 
Um, my guest today, Christy Cello, she's incredible. Um, one of my longest, funniest friends. And one thing that was so funny about this episode is we, we were basically just very deep the entire time. Um, it was not... Uh, I didn't even get to a lot of Lucian's questions, Lucian Wickle's questions, because we were just so deep the whole time. And I just admire Christy so much because she's just so true to herself, which is something that I really admire and really, really try hard to do in myself in this business where you can get so caught up trying to make it or trying to be something or thinking you need to be a certain way. And I'm always interested in people who are able to craft and be so true to who they really are their true essence and not bend in any way those are the most magnetic and um, people that I want to surround myself with and true and authentic good people and I just love that about her and it's funny for one of my silliest friends because she and I both bond and that we really love silly silly humor we we were very deep in this conversation. It might have just been the moods we were in that day, but um, I love it. Yeah, you'll. I think I really exposed a lot about myself in my journey looking for love. Um, but I do like asking people who have found true love like about it because it inspires me and it gives me hope and it shows me direction. You know, especially when I see where they came from and who they dated before. Um, it gives me hope that I'm going to find that too. Um, and yeah, I just love Christy so much. And the, what, the best part about having a podcast is like, I get to have these conversations with people that I've known for years um, in comedy that sometimes I don't even get to uh, see that often. Um, and that's really special and reconnect. And I hope you guys liked um, last week's episode with JT. That was a little funny because like I don't I don't even know if people in comedy like knew that we had a history together. He's actually how I started comedy. Um, and I don't I don't even know how that didn't get brought up. But um, he took me to my first comedy show when I was 25. Um, and showed me like all of comedy. So I never would have started comedy without him, which is huge. Um, yeah, it's just, it, I love this podcast for that reason, because I get to go back in time and talk to these people who are like, all doing so well and doing such interesting things and were so formative in my life um, and played such big parts of my life. It's really special. Um, and I just admire, yeah, I admire Christy so much. Um, she has so many qualities and things that I just think are really rare, especially in this business. She's just like a deep, firm soul, which is something I love. As you guys hear me talk about that all the time, I'm like, I just like down to earth people. That's like all I say. Um, <laughs> anyways, thank you for your stories, your fan on the street stories. Remember to submit yours. I want to read these um, to dearowenwilsonpod at gmail.com. I'll read them on the podcast. It's so fun to hear your stories. Rate, subscribe, review, and um, yeah, if you are enjoying the podcast, the best way to support, take a screenshot, throw it up on your story, spread the word, tell a friend, tell your mom, let's do this, let's get this popping. Um, yeah, I love you. DM me, I love to hear from you about the podcast. Say hi if you see me in person, if you're a nice person. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, 
All right. Enjoy this episode, everyone. I love you. Have a great week. God bless you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of the Dear Owen Wilson podcast. It's your boy, Blair, back for just another incredible episode. You guys wouldn't even believe who I have on today. You wouldn't even believe it. You wouldn't believe it. A star, a legend amongst men. It's... I'm stunned. Honestly, it's so exciting. Um, This person, she has an incredible resume all over Comedy Central. Voices on Teenage Euthanasia. Um, Roast battle. She rattled Jimmy Carr. We ran into him once at JFL New Faces in 2017. This woman, I've known her since forever, and I was a huge fan before I, like, I was such a fangirl of her. It was sick. Okay, I'll say her name. Ready? It's Christy Cello, everybody! Yay! That was the best introduction I've ever gotten in my life. Thank you for all those nice words, Blair. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) It's the truth. Yeah, it is crazy. Like, we get so excited to see each other and talk because we have been cruelly separated by the coast. Exactly. And time. Yes. There's a time difference. There's a geographical difference. And it's, it's really, it doesn't feel like I haven't talked to you. I know. Well, we try to keep up on the voice notes and stuff, but I, yeah, it's crazy. And then just like the years going by of aging. I know. It's really nuts. Like I'm trying, like, when do you think we met each other? Like, has it been over a decade? Well, I've been doing comedy nine years. So I think I met, I think I met you in 2014. Oh my heavens. Cause I started, I, I started comedy at the end of 2013. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I'll never forget it. I'll never forget <laughs> meeting you and loving you. And we took a picture together outside I of asked you for a picture in Brooklyn. And I still have it. And I loved, I love the picture. You wore this cute hat. You're still wearing hats. <laughs> I'm that boy. I idolized you. I idolized you. I was like, this is the funniest, most unique silly person I've ever seen because, you know, I famously think that the problem with comedy is that it's not silly anymore. It's so serious. Oh my gosh. I agree. And we haven't really even really talked about that, but I, I appreciate that. I try to keep it silly. I like, like, it, it makes me laugh when comics <laughs> sometimes say like, you know, I, I have a voice that, you know, needs to be heard and a message that I, and I am Good for them, but I am so far from that. I have no, I have no message. It's just <laughs> like entertain. I just want to yeah. entertain. Yeah, which I think there is like such value in. You know, even when I've done, um, gone into areas or material that is of uh, darker, sadder shit. It's like I, I won't do it unless I can make it purely funny because I hate that message shit too because it feels like it's not actually for the audience you know right I agree it feels very self-serving yeah but you know but it is some people like if it's your personality to do that like 
okay. It's just not mine. I love the silliness. So I love I love it too. That. I know that's my favorite thing to watch. And I think also, and like there is of course value in those people that are able to do it well like that where they're like getting a point across and they still make it funny, you know? Yeah. But like I when you see it every night, like in order you're surprised when someone makes you have fun. Yeah. I think so too. And I mean it makes me so happy that you I make you have that. Oh, yeah. No, you're for sure. You for sure have that. And it's like, I think everyone agrees who watches you that you're just so much fun. I appreciate that. And this is going to sound so cheesy, but I just love being on stage. I love it. It's It's not cheesy. I really, really love it. It makes me happy. Of course. Like, how many people do you think there's like stuff in their life that they wanted to do that they never do and they never get to experience that. A lot. I know. It's really, I know. I I have to remind myself of that, you know, when I have one of those moments where I'm like, you know, I, I get rejected. I didn't get the thing I wanted to get. It's still so great that I'm like playing the game. Like I'm in the game and that's more than, most people ever get the courage to do. Oh my God. It is so crazy how much you have to like remind yourself of that. Like uh, in August, I literally got rained, rained down with nose. I mean, (laughs) the nose, the nose would not stop coming. And I had to like ground down into myself and be like, you're doing it, Blair. Like, you're paying your bills. You're a comedian. You're yes. having fun every night, even though you don't own a home yet. And, you know, like, because uh, it gets hard. And then you have to be like, but wait, I am actually doing what I love. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm making at least one person happy by fulfilling <laughs> this cuckoo desire in my heart. I don't know. You definitely are. I'm sorry about all the no's. It's the worst. I feel like, you know, when it rains, it pours. Like, yes. it's never just, like, one. It's, like, no. getting rejected from things you didn't even know you were going out for. You're yes. Like, okay, what, what is this? It, 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 it's, it's insanity. Because it's, like, we're doing the same. We're, we keep putting ourselves out there but expect a different result. And that feels like the definition of insanity. But it's par for the course you know it truly is just like yeah and I I don't know it's like it's like um waves crashing over you yeah you know and you just have to be like okay I have to let the wave crash over me and then I get to be dry again (laughs) (laughs) that was very poetic Oh, God, Christy, I've been meditating like hell. I, like, secretly, I mean, I don't know if this is for the pod, but we have got to talk about that because you're enlightened. We're sisters in faith. (laughs) Yes, we are. Not the same faith, but yes. (laughs) But But ultimately the same. Ultimately, it's all the same. Ultimately, it is all the same. It's actually all the same, even if it's not the same. That is the truth, fully. It, I could not agree more, but yeah. I still have not come to the breath a breath work event. I'm fascinated by but by, by like you know I, I I guess it it seems as though when you went to LA you really like 
got into. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's amazing. And I could like, I could feel the benefits of this. So whatever, whatever you're doing, I, I, want to subscribe to it. <laughs> Thanks. I just did forget I am a breathwork teacher until you said that. But um, I like mostly I don't really I don't have like a consistent breathwork practice because it's so physical and intense. It's more like when I need it. But I do meditate every day. Do you seriously? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Twice a day, usually. And like, what does that look like for you? Is it like the transcendental meditation? Even though I don't even know if I know what that means, but like, what does that mean for you? Um, no, you do. Transcendental, I did um, like 1 million other things um, during quarantine, lockdown, get um, trained in TM. And basically, transcendental meditation is just the repetition of a mantra for 20 minutes uh, that they give you twice a day. Oh, I thought, honestly, that's not as intense as I thought. I don't know why transcendental, it sounds like you're transporting to another fucking galaxy. (laughs) It does. You know what's crazy about transcendental meditation? I love that we're just like fully doing whatever we want on this (laughs) podcast, but that's, I think that's good. Um, And I love, I love innovation. You know what I mean? Um, Me too. (laughs) No, but the thing I like about transcendental meditation for people that don't know much about meditation or think meditation is hard the repetition of a mantra allows you just to have as many thoughts as you want. So you're not like, so you're allowed to have as many thoughts as you want during the meditating. It's not like this other meditation or like what you would think of meditation as you're like trying to make your mind shut the fuck up, you know? Yes. So it takes, a, it takes a lot of the pressure off and it's really easy, I think. I think, I think it's really accessible. That's so encouraging. That is very <laughs> encouraging to hear because I'm... <laughs> The minute I start thinking about my breath, I feel I can't get enough. I'll have a panic attack. Yeah, me too. I will too. But anyways, Christy, I want to know how you are doing. (sighs) Like what's happening? What's going on? Uh, I feel like I have so much. I mean, not to get too deep too quick, but like this past year has been transformative. I'm a completely different person. I went through like grief for the first time when I lost my mom. Yeah. And we just passed the one year anniversary. Oh, wow. I know, which is crazy. But I think, you know, I look back to like a year ago and it just feels like a blur. I, I feel a lot better. Like I feel a lot more like myself, but it fully took the whole year to just, but yeah, so it it's been wild because it sounds so cliche, but it puts so, it puts everything in perspective. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean that's like um, your before and after. Your yes. life is a uh, measured by before and after. Yes, that's so well said. Yeah, and I have such empathy. You know, especially in the comedy community, we have so many friends who have lost people that they love, important people, and I think yeah. that like I see them in in their loss in such a new way like I have so much more empathy because before you experience it you don't you don't know you can't know you can't know exactly you say oh I'm sorry for your loss and yeah that's that you don't know but the funniest thing is when I've had people and you know bless their hearts because they don't mean it but talking about not knowing I've had people say to me oh I oh that's awful you know my dog died last year and so I know what you're going through. Like the 
I'm like, uh, they're trying. The to intention connect. is there, but they really miss fire. I think that's a lot of people with grief. Like, um, like those, they say because they don't know what to say and they're uncomfortable, but they want to comfort you. And then they use those platitudes that literally just enrage people. Like, this is what's meant to be, and um, like she's in a better place. And it's like that's actually not for you to say or what I need to hear. <laughs> I could, I have goosebumps. I could not agree more. And it's really funny that you bring that up because I think something else I realized about myself this year that I'm actively changing is what, I don't know if it's because of my faith or what it is, but I think I have a tendency to be almost toxically positive. I do that to my friends. I, I say, you know, look on the bright side or it could be worse. And I try to be helpful, but it's right. not helpful. It, it doesn't, it can be that toxic positivity is just a new term that I was like, oh shit, I heard it. And I was like, oh no, you know, so I'm trying to work on that. But yeah. But I think we learn that as we get older, because I think a lot of that, it's like, that's how you comfort yourself and all this stuff. But really then... You can only learn, I feel, through age that people really just want to be validated. Like, they just want to be, like, seen and heard in a deep way. Oh, right? I'm obsessed. I, I'm laughing in the back of my head because I'm like, when I talk to you, like, I text you this morning. When I talk to you, it's like I forget that I'm a comedian. And I want to get so deep <laughs> Same with so me. Fast. Same with me. I love doing that, though. Don't you think that comedy doesn't matter unless it's like... <laughs> There's also, <laughs> I'm insane, <laughs> but like, I don't know. It's like, you need an anchor somewhere else. Like these people, don't you think that like comedians who are constantly, and look, I love being silly so much and I know you do too, but like yes. when that never turns off, you're like, okay, this is psychotic. Like you need to have depth also and be like a real person. Yes. And when that switch happens, it's, it's so meaningful because, you know, I think at first you think, I, I guess, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but I think I would define it as, as saying, com you know, comedian, it's not necessarily who I am. It's what I do. Totally. Have you always felt that way? Because I think that I only learned that in the pandemic in 2020. And I was like, oh my God, I have been in a tunnel for seven years where I have not looked up and I have been scratching and crawling just in pure survival mode. And I have been putting all my eggs in one basket, uh, literally and figuratively. And <laughs> I have not like been living enough. And like, obviously we're blessed, like where our job is fun and stuff. But I was like, oh my God, I need to really cultivate a life and put value in a bunch of other baskets outside of this. And like, I'm such a happier person because of it. That makes me elated. That makes me so happy to hear. And I, I agree. I think the pandemic forced people to slow down. And I think it, it allowed me to look at hustle culture yeah. and identify the toxicity in that. 
And and you know what it is, and, and I teach stand up, and I love teaching. I know, and I I, always, I love that you teach that because I'm like, there's no one better on earth because you <laughs> still. You, I'm serious because one, you're fun; two, you're encouraging; three, you have the joy about it. And like, I don't think a lot of people have that. Thank you. Thank you. Don't you think at this point, like people lose it and get like bitter or tired, which rightfully so I get it. It's like exhausting trying to pursue like a creative thing and like make it your career and it can get really hard on your soul. Yes. And I think part of the reason why I still love it so much is because of teaching, because it's everything I love about comedy. It's learning how to write jokes and be funny without any of the industry bullshit that is the hard part for me. So but i but i try to encourage my students and myself i you know if i can do it i have my moments but to define our own relationship with stand up <gasps> oh that's and, so good uh, is it thank you because you know what it's like we grew up you and i specifically i very much feel like we're in the same class like we came up Yes, we're Together. in the we are. We're in the same stand up generation, definitely. Yes. You, yeah. yes, we are. And I think that it, our generation specifically, I would argue, was under, you know, just the the comics that were just, you know, oh, if you're not doing stand up five times a night, you're not doing it. <laughs> yeah, so like we, the, were, we like, were under the Mark Norman, Sam Morell, Nikki Glazer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The people, those are the generation above us. So it was like, oh shit, we really felt like we had to do that. We were, and of course we didn't know any better. And I think, you know, for better, but also for worse, there is this has, you know, I think comedy has, oh my God, that's a whole other podcast, but like comedy itself has changed so much. Like it's not the same business that it was even 10 years ago. It's like when CDs uh, were expired and not, and like Napster came out. That's literally what it is with like TikTok and social media. It's like a whole new landscape. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I mean, I'm going to film an hour special and then I'll cut that up and I'll put that online whenever that comes out, probably in like a year or some shit. But I am not going to do crowd work every night and post it. Like I just, I will kill myself. Can I tell you, I just had a conversation with Matteo Lane. I don't know if you've had him on or if you, you would, you or just personally, you got to talk to him about this because he I said know. the exact same thing you said. And he did that. He, he did his special. He put it out. We were just talking about this and he had the greatest comparison where he said comics who are just putting out these videos all the time. It's like, you know, joining the opera or something and then immediately being like, Let's try on the costumes. Like yes. It's, and, and the way he put it, though, he he was so enlightening about it. So you got to talk to him if you have it already. I know. Well, it's weird because, like, we were in Montreal together, and I love Matteo. I mean, he is. Oh, he loves you. He's also just, like, such a talent. I mean, wow. And um, he, but he talked about how cutting up, like, Schultz and stuff, it, like, changed his life. Cutting up his special, and now he's doing theater tours. And it's, like, I don't know. You probably feel the same way. But, like, um, I feel really solid as a stand-up. And, like, I definitely feel more than qualified as a headliner, but I yes. do not have the the audience to 
like tour like that. See, I could not agree more for you. I well, well, no, not about the in terms of that. In terms of being a headliner, yeah. you are head. I mean, you're 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 stellar. You're stellar. Oh, and, and I think that I am too, but I don't have the experience headlining. You have more headlining experience than I do, but I agree completely in that the the just the numbers it's like i'm doing i'm doing carolines for the first time <gasps> october 2nd oh, oh my god that's your birthday isn't it yes you're so good because you're october too right i'm october 12th but yeah i love birthdays and i love my friends birthdays like it means so much to me i love their okay, birthdays well, i'm gonna tell you a secret technically my birthday is october 3rd but i'm telling oh, everyone fuck, it's a third second. i'm telling okay. everyone a second because i want it's your birthday to celebration yeah oh my god that's a no-brainer but it's my first time and and I'm not saying, I do think we'll have a great turnout, but these people like Mateo who sell out theaters everywhere they fucking go. I live in New York. I've been here for almost 20 years and I'm like, fuck, I hope I can fill this one room one night. So when you headline theaters across the country, like I can't believe how much that, how many, how much of a reach you have to have. Yeah, well, I mean, like, being a headliner is really, like, about drawing the audience. And it goes the other way, too. Like, there's so many people that have these TikTok audiences that are so unqualified as a stand-up. Like, they have not put in 10 years of, like, work and, you know, they're just doing something. And then, you know, there's us. (laughs) (laughs) Who are extreme comedy geniuses, overqualified but we need a little bit more of an audience. But we're building them. We're building them. Oh, you're building it, Aqua. Can I? Oh, can I say this? Oh yeah, Aqua yeah. Teen Hunger Force. <laughs> I saw that. Am I say, I'm saying the name right? Aqua Teen Team. Aqua Teen. Teen Hunger Force. Yeah. I'm embarrassed because, especially like my generation coming up, with all like the boys specifically in my high school obsessed with that. That's iconic. When uh, I saw your Instagram, Blair, like. That's like on par with like Disney Princess in terms of like <laughs> a voiceover job. It was really cool. And like, um, yeah, the guy, Dave Willis, like getting to meet him and stuff was so cool. But Christy, remember when we used to be like, God, when are we going to get these animated jobs? You know what I mean? Like all the abuse we suffer for our voices. Like when is it gonna cut? When is it gonna pay off for us? And now we're doing it. Isn't that exciting? It's very exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah. You know, I will say, and I don't know if you feel this way. I think when I first started, I really belittled the role of the voice actor. Like I really was like, not the not that like we're so, but I thought that it was going to be a lot easier than it oh, is. Oh, really? Not mm-hmm. me. I always I thought, thought it was like the, talk. <laughs> I, I thought it was like the coolest thing in the world, but also you have like a theater background. Like I had no interaction with culture until I was like almost 30 besides books outside of books, you know, in Orange County, like they don't have that there. <laughs> so I'm sure it felt like child's play to you. For me, I was like, this is the most sophisticated shit I could ever be doing in my life. That's really funny. I've learned to really appreciate voice talent. And, and, you know, because the thing that blows my mind is like, I have an interesting voice, I would say, but then I record with people who can do my voice 
in a second and then fit the other voices. Oh, I know. And me like, too. Oh, same I with me. Just do like two voices. Me too. Same with me. <laughs> Completely. I'm always like, whoa, it's so crazy. <laughs> If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. 
We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. God, if I don't intervene right now and have some discipline, we could just go the whole podcast. So without further ado, without saying who you're going to do, will you please begin your letter? Oh my gosh, I would love to. I say it right at the beginning though, is that okay? Just say dear so-and-so, oh. yeah, yeah, like that. Okay, let me pull it up, because I I don't have it memorized. Oh no, why would you? Oh my God, please, <laughs> Can you no. imagine if I came off what, what if I was like, you don't have it memorized, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. I'm so excited, okay. Dear James Eugene Carey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Yes. Thank you, God. Oh, my stomach. <laughs> Your reaction because I pulled up the dock in front of the Zoom, so I just heard you scream. <laughs> okay. I, Christy Lynn of the House Cello, <laughs> the first of my name, mother of cats, and breaker of bread, do you hereby decree that I love you? With my whole heart and every fiber of my being. I see no point in beating around the bush, Jimmy. (laughs) I'm a 36-year-old woman, and I know who I am. (laughs) Although I understand you're a stranger known only to me through a public lens, you have taught me what it means to love. (gasps) I have felt this way since the first time I saw you. You were breaking out on the hit TV show In Living Color. And I was breaking in to my sister's room because I was seven (laughs) and bored with my own toys. Your physicality, spot on impressions, versatility, and vulnerability inspired me. In elementary school, my friends would dress up as Disney princesses for Halloween, but I dressed up as Fire Marshal Bill. (laughs) I cried because I wanted to be Vera DeMilo, but my mom would not let me wear a bikini top to school. And in the eighth grade, I was voted class funniest because all I did was quote Ace Ventura. You taught me humor at a young age and somehow by mimicking your comedic voice for years, I managed to find my own. I moved to New York City to follow performance dreams. And on January 8th, 2011, you and me were together. You had just hosted, I have goosebumps. You had just hosted Saturday Night Live. And I managed to get an invite to the Covenant after party. I bought an expensive dress from H&M and looked the best I've ever looked. In addition to looking stunning, I was also (laughs) strategic. I knew that I could never get... I knew that I could never get past the hordes of security surrounding your table with Lord Michaels. So instead, I located the exit and decided I would chill there for six hours. No. So bad. I knew you'd have to leave at some point. And when you did, I would be ready. It was five in the morning when you began your walk to the exit. Your walk to me. I had rehearsed in my head what I would say to you all night. It was charming but honest and spoke to your influence on my life. 
But when you walked by, so cool and confident and truly looking so nice, I froze. It was the only time in my life I could not find words. <laughs> I was enamored by you, your height and statue, and you had such an impactful presence. You were the light in the room allowing it all to happen. You know, in the movies, when they say time stood still, I always <gasps> thought that was bullshit, but it's not. Time did not exist. I only saw you and I could not move, speak, or blink. But you looked at me. You looked directly at me and only me. For this, I am sure, because I was the only one hanging out by the exit all night. And you smiled at me. And as you brushed so lightly <laughs> against my arm to push open the door exit, you smiled and said, well, that's a wrap. <gasps> I wept. I went in the bathroom and wept, but not because I missed my opportunity, but because you were so kind. People always say you don't want to meet your heroes, and maybe there's truth to that, but you are mine, and you are so kind. So thank you. I would not be who I am if I never was exposed oh to you. And if I were to meet you today, I'd like to think I'd be able to talk, but you never know. <laughs> It was emotional. Oh my God, Christy. Wow. Wow. Oh my God. The crowd goes wild. The crowd goes nuts. The stadium is going berserk. I was afraid. I, I text, because I text Blair this morning and I was afraid that I took this too seriously. No, no, because look, everything in life is open to interpretation. There are no rules here. Oh my God, I love that story. Jim Carrey is a full fucking certified freak with a lot of soul. He has so much soul. I would argue that he is one of the greatest entertainers that has ever lived. I think completely like his catalog of work is truly so, so endless. And it's all like some of the biggest stuff of all time, like the most memorable movies tv shows like appearances and spanning so many decades like and he just keeps going and going and going i know it's fascinating it is so his career fascinates me his like upbringing because i've read up on him a little yeah like, me too is fascinating like he's always just been this really really funny kid and his father had always wanted to be a comedian but never got a chance he like had to work and support the family that's and a lot of male comedians i feel yes yeah it's like he was influenced by his dad and like that's it you know i mean and i'm sure you know watching movies and stuff but like his dad was his comedic influence i just think i just think that nobody can i would i would for me, I think Robin Williams is comparable. Yeah, same with me. And I'm like a Robin Williams freak. Yeah, like those two in terms of live performances and his, you know, and film Eddie and Murphy. movie career. Eddie Murphy, yes. Oh my God, I we better start naming some women, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God, where uh, there are many, many women that are incredible if you're listening to this. Yes, 100%. I mean, in terms of, I mean, I even loved a lot of the women that were on in Living Color, and I wasn't a huge SNL girl growing yeah, up. Yeah, me neither. It won't shock you to see, know that I didn't see it at all. <laughs> I have literally, you no, I'm serious. Did you see... Like, even when, like, Molly Shannon, Sherry O'Terry, did you watch? No, or, 
Yeah, I saw like clips and stuff later on in my life where I got to know the Will Ferrell, like Amy Poehler um, generation, Tina Fey generation, but it was after the fact. It wasn't during, and like I just didn't have any comedy frame of reference till I really started comedy. I had zero frame of reference and like knowledge about it. That's really fascinating too, because I'd be so curious to know. Well, actually, I think I do know. I think I know your biggest comedic influence or one of them, Eddie Peptone. (laughs) Yeah, you know what's funny, though? Like, Eddie Peptone, like, is one of my favorite people to watch, but I also didn't even discover him till halfway through, like, five years into comedy. So, like, I didn't – he wasn't, like, an influence, like – I really related immediately because we both scream psychotically on stage all the time. But like, and I was like, oh my God, like I understand like what I, I I like, I like comics with a little bit of insanity, obviously, (laughs) you know, like that's what I'm drawn to because it's just like, it's fun to watch. Like you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I do too. And I think that like, I I just. Who's yours? I mean, growing, I was saying Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey, Steve Martin. I, again, I'm naming a lot of men. I, I am very influenced by Gilda Radner, who I oh, didn't yes. watch as I didn't like watch when she was on SNL. But l- much later in my life, I discovered her and like Carol Burnett. I got into like I did. I think that makes I, sense to me for you. I yeah. love that. That makes me happy. Thanks. I like, and I think lately of, of the newer, not, you know, but of uh, more our generation comics, I would say Bridget Everett is yes. a big, which makes sense because she's so physical. I love a big, I love a person with big physicality. I love physicality on stage as well. Like it, because I think again, like we see, like Jessica Kirsten is so much oh fun to watch. God. I cannot even believe what she can do with her face. I know. It is like, inc- she is incredible. If you guys don't know Jessica Kirsten's comedy, you need to check it out because it's just so much fun to watch. But for you and I, where we see so much comedy every night again, yeah. like just to see anything different or out of the norm is like so exciting. Yes, I completely agree. I completely agree. And I think Jim Carrey, uh, you know, because of when he started doing stand-up, that time and what he was doing, which was essentially impressions, it's like this old school act. I like that. I love characters, that. yeah. I miss that. I, I like right. I like when somebody had an act. Yeah. Even though, you know, I, I, I it's all it's all subjective, but I think there are people that do this incredibly well, but like so much now is very loose stream of conscious. This isn't an act. I'm just in the space and like riffing and all of that is, is there's a lot of skill in, in that, but I like, I like seeing someone that I'm like, oh, they rehearsed. Like this is their act. It's fully formed. They worked on it. Like he worked on those impressions in the mirror. And I, I, I love it. I love it. And just, he, he yeah. can, nobody else can, what is it? Hold a feather. Is that what they say? To, a candle. To hold, hold the candle. <laughs> Look, I, I knew what you meant. Weird. I knew exactly no what you meant. No one can hold a candle feather to what 
he does. Yeah, no, there is nobody even in the same universe as Jim Carrey. Some of my favorite, some of two really good ones, I think, though, James Austin Johnson is, like, un... And I, he's, he's been doing it for 17 years. He started when he was 16. He's 35 now. And I, I just remember we filmed a short, actually, famously called um, Lucian Wickles, which is my private detective who work, helps me on this show, Christy, because he, he investigates my um, guests and the celebrities too, so that I can do <laughs> thorough and exhausting interviews. But I just remember, like... We filmed this short that was so much fun with Vanessa Gonzalez, another favorite. Oh, love. And it was literally, we did it right before, like, the world shut down. And I remember, like, uh, James just being like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, just, like, feeling it, it, like, thinking his career was, like, over. And it's just, like, you never know what's, like, right about to happen. And, like, no one has ever been more ready. Like, this man can do the most. He disappears into these people. So yeah. does Kate McKinnon. Yes. Yes. I agree. I think he's stellar. I think he, I think I met him when you, when we went to Montreal for, for the new faces. Oh, yeah. He was the same year as us. I cannot believe our year of new faces. Our year of new faces was so good. Well, you know what I think they stopped doing? Like, everyone on that year had been on TV many times <laughs> by the time. Like, I mean, crazy. Like, Sam J, Taylor Tomlinson, Rami, um, Solomon Giorgio, <laughs> Danny Jollis was, like, starring on a TV show. Like, it was they were so all like working people. <laughs> yes, and I think they went back to like doing more like people who haven't, which I think is so important to like yeah. breaking people. You know? Yes, totally, totally. Yeah. I completely agree. But I think he's stellar too. And you know, yeah, I, I think that another reason why I really admire people that can do these kind of spot on impressions is two things. One. I I am so far from being able to do it. I, 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 I'm a funny person, but I cannot mimic somebody else effectively. Yeah. So, so I think I, and just knowing the discipline it must take. I, I, I assume it takes a lot of discipline to master these things, unless it doesn't. I'd be so curious to talk to somebody like James now and be like, does he just get into it like this or is he you know, oh, I've got the voice, but I don't really have the inflection. And like, I don't know. It's it's a whole process I'm not familiar with. I think they work on it. It's really, but like also they're just so comfortable. I feel like it's like being able to be able to sing. Like I was around like Chloe Feynman a little bit this summer because um, she dates Jake, you know, Jake. Also our new face year. Um, oh my God. I did <laughs> not know that. I did not know that. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that publicly. <laughs> I might have to edit that out. Um, but oops, no. Um, but like, she would be like working on impressions, and like she, it was crazy. Yeah, she's stellar. My fiance Dave and I are like a little obsessed with her. Like, Dave oh, will she's be like, incredible. Oh, did you see Chloe's like latest video? And then we'll like go watch it. <laughs> yeah, she ha- she's freakishly talented. And I also love Hannah Pilk Pilks. Hannah Pilks, yeah. Oh my god, I I met her not too recently, so I don't feel as as uh, 
creepy kind of idolizing her because I, I, I told her about this, but I think she's so great. I think Did she so move great. to New York? I feel like she'd be thrilled to know that you said this. Oh, she did. She seems like a really sweet person. She's a, I met her once. She's so nice. And it was one of those things where she's like, oh, it's so good to meet you. And I was like, it's good to meet you too. Even though I had been following her for a fucking millennium before we met each other. So I was like, oh, I know your extended family. Um, She's great. The purpose of this podcast I'm seeing that's being unearthed to me spiritually is that (laughs) You are going to become an incredible impressionist and no one is going to have known it was coming and it's going to be thrilling for all to see. From your lips to God's ears. Our God. Our God. <laughs> May that happen. Maybe next year, watch out. I'll only and so do it impression. Is. Although I can do an impression of you a little bit. Oh my God. Because <laughs> I'm here. Everyone has one. Literally every single one of my friends has one. Like that part about the the joke that I fucking love. I think you did it on Corridan too. I love this joke when you were like how your family gives you shit because you're not married. And then you say, you know, you don't know why that is. And or you say, oh, (laughs) oh. you know, I don't know. Maybe because you married me to, maybe because you raised me to be a fucking linebacker. <laughs> I feel like you just made me sound like like drunk Polly Shore, but I kind of <laughs> liked it. I did kind of <laughs> like it. Fucking linebacker. Like the way Wait. your inflection is so funny when you say it. Um, okay. Incredible impression. You're well on your way. I can see. Um, but I do have to, we do have to bring it up because it is one of our most cherished memories. Um, oh, no, I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to all the non-comedian civilians out there listening, um, Christy and I once were entered into the Caroline's March Madness, which is this thing where Caroline's Comedy Club, iconic club in New York City, um, does a March Madness competition bracket for up-and-coming comedians. And, like, it's sort of when you're at that age or, like, when you're coming up, it's, like, sort of an exciting big deal to be asked or included. You hope to be included because there's only, I don't know how many people are entered, like 20 or something. Yeah. And so Christy and I, you know, we're crushing it um, and we are so excited and we were going in confident. I mean, you wouldn't even believe we were like on cloud nine. And the f- crazy thing was you got one minute, one minute. Like, I don't even know what you do. You make a funny face in one minute. It was literally one minute, right? Or was it two minutes? I want to say it was one. I think it was one. Like, what do you even say in one minute? Like, that's insane. Um, We go up and we both get eliminated first round. (laughs) You have never seen any two people more stunned. Like, shocked. The shock. The shock was (laughs) the biggest shock of our lives. We just couldn't believe it. We were like. I thought we would win. I thought like, it was going to be us two in the finals. <laughs> like, I wasn't just like, oh, this is a cool, like, I could get far. I thought we would dominate. Yeah, I did too. I and really did because we, you know, and we're, we're funny. We, I don't know what it was. Like, we didn't 
do bad. <laughs> no, we didn't do bad. They just chose someone else, which we couldn't even fathom or begin to understand or take I in. I left the show early, went to the Forever 21 in Times Square and bought t-shirts. You and I, we were so ashamed <laughs> and stuck. And stunned. And then ever since then, have never laughed harder about anything. Like just too delusional. Like what are we, we were, I was like four years in or like five, four years in maybe. Yeah, like, so I was probably a couple years more than you. And I was like, this is our fucking time. Yeah, we were like, oh my God. It was like we were seniors at the um, high school, but <laughs> at the March Madness. And I'll never forget Anthony DeVito was there. I don't know if he was in it or if he hosted. I don't remember. But he, I talked to him afterwards. And I remember he said to me, Christy, you looked really confident <laughs> walking up. And it made me think like, oh, shit. Like, Does he know something I don't? Because I feel like he said something like that to me, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, I do have to ask you this because um <laughs> about Jim Carrey. <laughs> oh yeah, the podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we're seamlessly weaving a lot in about comedy culture, comedy lore, comedy history, yes. a lot of interesting takes and ideas. Um, so this is what I have to ask you about Jim Carrey, because he famously like has said, and I see this clip come up all the time on spiritual TikTok um, and manifestation TikTok, humiliating, but you guys also know at the same time, you know what it is, um, that he has that clip of him where he is like, I have this insane belief in my ability to manifest. Insane belief. And he's like, you know, all of life is delusion. So why don't I delude myself in this way? And then he has that huge story about how he wrote himself a $10 million check. Yes, I was just going to say that. And and my thing is, because I see a lot of these, like, very confident men, you know, specifically at, like, the Laugh Factory in Hollywood. And um, they don't have this, like, sensitivity that he very clearly has. And so I'm wondering, because I know you and I, like, no matter how confident in my skill I am, like, believing in myself in this career and my ability to have the things I want is so terrifying and vulnerable. Like, a lot of times I have lost faith over the years. You know what? I lost faith two days ago. Um, so I'm wondering, <laughs> with someone as clearly so sensitive and empathetic as Jim, which you can see from a mile away, that, like, he's just, like, so sweet. So Like, it, he appears to me to be someone who feels everything, which seems to be a little bit incongruent with this, like, confidence like how do you think he does that oh that is such that's a million dollar question I mean I wish I knew I think that like you know what though oh this is gonna sound this is the thought that's coming up for me but I think I think the timing of of this enlightened perspective should be taken into account. Like he's had an incredible career. Um, I think if anyone who is, you know, sort of not where they want to be, right? And they're still kind of 
struggling, but trying to trust the process. I don't know how definitively they could say, I, you know, as a matter of fact, like you can manifest this, you can do this. Like, I think he, what he shares now has only been because not only, but I think is largely in part because he has been successful. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you're saying he feels that way because he has endless amount of evidence, but how did he get that coming up? Cause you know what I mean? It's weird. Like sometimes I'll be like, God, I wonder when I'm going to be like successful or feel comfortable or have my big job, my series regular job or whatever. And my friends will be like, you are successful. And it's like, I don't feel, well, I do, but I don't, you know what I mean? And it's like, what, I wonder when he felt that way, but he's like in these massive movies, not just like one iconic movie, like he's in like the biggest movies of all time and feels like in every movie, whether it was a hit or not, he left it all on the floor in every role. Yeah, I think that like, I think from reading a biography, not an autobiography, a biography about him, that like a lot of stand-ups, it went from being very successful in his live shows on stage, auditioning for television parts. And then I think In Living Color was like the first consistent paycheck and I do think that that's symbolic for anybody in any career. The the stability a, a regular paycheck brings you, whether right. it's voiceover, yeah, whatever the fuck it is, even if it's you're on a show for three months, that's stability. Yeah. That's what we. That's what for we. For three months, and then we're like, even if you get on a TV show, you're like, ah, oh, am I gonna get? <laughs> is the TV show gonna end? Am I gonna ever gonna get another? It's like crazy. Oh it's. I think about Broadway stars. I think about the 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 girl whose name escapes me, but who got cast as Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl, and then Beanie Feldman got it, and Leah Michelle got it, and it's like, what other yeah, celebrity is gonna come and take it away? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, bitch. So the glee I, bitch is here now. You know, we do, but, <laughs> but you know what's funny, though, Blair? I love your take on this. Is like, I wonder if the people who have achieved massive success in their field, if part of that is just because they were hyper-focused on that one thing. I worry sometimes because I love teaching I love doing voiceovers and I perform live, but I don't perform live as often as a lot of other comics do because I don't want to. But right. I wonder, like, does the fact that I do a little of this, a little of that, ultimately, is that not going to help me get to that one thing? Does, you know, if somebody who said, wakes up every fucking morning and says, I want an HBO special and that's all they think about, are they more likely to get an HBO special before me or someone that doesn't think that? I mean, I don't know. Yes and no. Like, spiritually, I feel that um, when you really do things your own way, when what feels true to you, like, intuitively, instead of doing what you think you should do, mm. I think that, like, that opens a, a success for you. I really do. Like, even if it might seem crazy and like such a dumb move to some people I think a lot of times 
that that opens shit up for you. But also at the same time, like, yeah, probably if someone, all they wanted was an HBO special, like, and they have talent, like, (laughs) but I don't know. There's a lot of people, which is what I was interested in asking you about with like this Jim, this Jim Carrey thing. Cause obviously he's so insanely talented. So if you have also that coupled with insane belief in yourself (laughs) and trust that if you believe in yourself that like, you know, things will happen, then, I mean, there's, that's undeniable. But, like, I do see a lot of very confident people in this business who are successful where I'm like, there's way funnier people than them. For sure. But those people just don't believe in them and in themselves. And, like, I, I always struggle. Not, like, I never struggle, like, with my confidence and being on stage. I struggle with knowing that that will be rewarded because it feels like it's been a long time. Yes. I appreciate you saying that. I love that you're so vulnerable about that because I think that people that are listening and anyone that knows you gets a lot of comfort and like inspiration from that, from just like knowing that, you know, you have those fears too. Well, it's crazy because I have to like have perspective shift all the time because like, I know there's some people that would be like, literally I would like would kill to have, you know, there's of course, yes. but then I also like, I have a vision for myself and what I know I'm capable of. And yeah. I would like to be like reaching my full potential, but it's also, it's like not on your timeline. It's fucking hard. Yeah. It, but then yes. I look at James when I'm like, this man was waiting for 17 years. Yeah. He got like, yeah, like he had such a low before the biggest thing of his life. And I think that's how it happens for a lot of people. And I think that the tricky thing is what you mentioned before when you said the word should, right? It's like we, you, when you start doing this, you see what other people are doing and you think to yourself, well, I should be doing that or should I be doing that? And I think right. it has taken me a long time and I'm still only just starting to figure out what my actual wants are. But that's one of my favorite yeah. things about you is that you are always purely yourself and and you honor your own convictions and you know what your own convictions are. I think a lot of people in this business, because it can be so fight or flight and survival mode and just people not in this business probably, like there's so, there's so many ideas societally or whatever family you grew up in of what you should do and figuring out what's true to your own soul and then honoring that is really fucking hard. But it's also really hard not to honor it because that hangs over you your whole life also. Yes. Knowing that you never took a swing, you know? Exactly. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. 
Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, I think we've covered a lot of ground, but I think it's so interesting. But yeah, I just love that about you. And I feel I'm the same where it's like, we will do like our unique path, no yeah. matter, for better oh, for or worse. Sure. For yeah. Sure. I yeah. believe that a hundred percent. Like I don't, and the, you know, and I mean it when I say it, it's not everyone I feel that way about, but yeah. I know it's like, it's just a knowing it's like, you know what it is? It's like a never worrying about you. Oh, about me? Never. Oh, that's so kind. Wow. Thank never. you. It's like never. Even like you could be, you know, you could have your moments if you were to call me and be devastated over a, a rejection or something hard. Yeah. 
and I, and it never, it just doesn't affect me in the way that like, I, like, I hate seeing you sad. I would hate seeing you sad, but it, it doesn't change this belief I have that like, it doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. It's like, I, I just feel like, oh, well, Blair, like she's, she's got it. Oh God. Oh my God. What a relief. That's so, oh, that's like a balm <laughs> in my soul. Thank you. Christy, you have, you have soothed me in a way that you will never know. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> our God. Um, Christy, God, we have gone so many places interdimensionally, even in this podcast, but Okay, what we do need to address is how badly I wanted to fuck the mask, the green <laughs> man. What? And I think that that does inform sort of the choices I have made with men over the years. Some crazy man faster than the speed of light with a tongue, <laughs> green, scary, people don't understand. I think metaphorically, the mask, me being attracted to the mask was um, foreshadowing a lot to come. That's, that makes me laugh that that's the character that stands out as like the sexiest one. Like that was the character? Yeah, just deranged, unpredictable, <laughs> scary, exciting. I have, because Christy, you are an inspiration to me in that you, I remember when you were actively dating and you made the decision that you didn't want to date comedians anymore, which I have made many times. And we're like, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to go on the dating app. And I remember when you met Dave and you were like, this is different. This man is like so kind and like all this stuff. You got into like a great relationship, like very intentionally. I would say even manifested like a Jimmy Carey, the man that you waited in the exit for (laughs) six hours. And now I'm in that process where I have decided and it's been a real journey like to myself. Oh my God, this is the most like deep uh, I've never had a podcast like I'm this. I'm going to text in- you and apologize for anyone listening. No, I, I think it's good. Because I can't help but to get deep. I don't want to be I can't help it with either you. with you. It's crazy. But I'm doing this thing where, Chrissy, I have been so firm in saying no to men that I know are not it. Like, whether I'm attracted to them or not. And... It is, like, a whole new way of being for, like, you know, a while. And, yeah, but I'm also still trying to, like, have the hope and make myself date because I don't like going on a date. I have no desire to go on a date with a stranger when I have one night off and entertain them when I do that fucking every night. Oh, exactly. It's exhausting. And, look, like, I – the timing was right for Dave and I, and but I had had – a, a bit of a breakdown before I met him of just of being in a place where I was like, I can't because I was dating and like, it sucks. Like everyone says it sucks. But like, I think especially you're st- to be so busy and to invest the time into someone and it doesn't work out. I felt like I couldn't possibly do that for much longer. And thankfully, I didn't have to like it. How but- many dates did you go on? Oh, I feel like I dated everyone in New York. I mean, I I, I, I went on Hinge. I met Dave on Hinge. Yeah, that's um, the one I'm on in case you're out there and you're a nice man <laughs> with a job. 
401k who's kind right uh, <laughs> and handles conflict well and peacefully and sweetly <laughs> knows how to communicate knows how to yes. use words absolutely has this shit together and if you could cook that would be like really good also <laughs> a mattress that's not on the floor oh my god no <laughs> Ugh, i don't want to be disgusted jesus to think about the things we settled for in our 20s yeah i can't yeah, uh, it's criminal. I should be no, arrested. No, no, I. Oh, Blair, oh. the comics. I, I can't. No, <laughs> and I think like you know when they say like um, like because I'm playing with this idea again. We're returning to spirituality where um, life might have better plans for me than I have for myself, and these very narrow ideas of what I think I want or need to be happy. Um, could actually be like so much below what is actually for me because, and that's true when I think yeah. about like the men I've dated and not even shitting on them, just like when I know myself more, what I want is so much bigger and deeper. Yes, good for you, good for you. But I think that saying that and knowing that is only going to help. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it, again, I don't know if this is the whole po- toxic positivity speaking, but like, it makes, it's it's worth it to wait a little longer to find something so much better. Like, I'm thankful I didn't find Dave in my 20s. I was a fucking mess in my 20s. Or you wouldn't have even like, uh, like been able to see him or find Never. him. Never. He is, he's shy. Yeah. Like I, we, it would have never happened, and I was a terrible girlfriend up until even in my early thirties. Right. Which I think some people just—it took me a long time to figure out who I am, and I am just in the past three years feeling like yeah. I know myself and my wants. I didn't when right. I was even 31, 32. Yeah, I I know same, and also having like the tools and skills and like maturity. Like I realize I. I had a therapist say it was brutal, <laughs> crushing to hear. But now, like, I it's hilarious. One of those things, like, um, like everyone else can see, but you can't see it all. Where, like, she was like, well, maybe, like, you're attracted to these emotionally unavailable men because you're emotionally unavailable. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Sherry, you fucking bitch. Oh, my gosh. God, how dare you? Oh my God, you have put a bayonet through my aorta, bitch. Okay, you think I needed this right now? I, my world has been shattered. I can no longer relentlessly place blame outside myself. Oh God, I feel that in my bones. That crushing when your therapist is like, actually, and you're like, no. <laughs> Yeah, because you know what's weird though, and I like I know you can relate. Oh my god, this podcast is like a capsule episode. Um, <laughs> this is like that one episode of Marnie in season five of Girls. That's what this is. Exactly. Oh my god, it is Marnie episode. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't like the Marnie episode. Though. I loved it. I thought season five of Girls was the best um, season of the entire series. I did. You know what? Maybe if I watched it now, I would actually love it. If I'm being honest with you. <laughs> This is about Jim Carrey. Um, But yeah, (laughs) but don't you feel like I had no idea, at least for me or the way I'm wired or whatever experientially, like I 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't like a man who was like not nice to me. I've never liked that about someone, of course. But what I would end up happening is like intuitively, I would meet someone and there would be that incredible, that intense chemistry, which I now know means ends up being bad, bad, bad. Mm -hmm. Um, like when that crazy butterfly electric immediate chemistry, it's like run, it's like run bitch. But (laughs) I had to learn that so many times and like, it would be a man who liked me and was like, probably like a player or like a exciting, like very charismatic comedian. But they would tell me, I would be like, no, this is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a very nice guy who wants to be a good partner and all this stuff. And then uh, since I would tell them exactly what I was looking for, <laughs> they would present themselves as that person yeah. completely. And then like, I don't know, a few weeks in or a few months in, or even a year and a half in, yeah. they, they would be like, no, I actually don't want that. And I'm not that person. Or they'd show me or they would like betray me or whatever. When I knew minute one intuitively that, they were not that person. They, I was just attracted to them. Yes. And so I was like, I'll listen to their words, even though my body knows the truth that they are not actually that person and in their integrity and like that person for themselves are just presenting something to me. You are so self-aware. Like you've learned, so, but like, I'm thankful that you know this, like, and you wouldn't if not for date, for, for experiencing that. It's so hard though. Do you it's know so that painful. most people aren't self-aware like that? No, I feel like everyone is, but it's like... I don't think so. <sighs> God. I think they think they are, but I don't think they are. I think they think, oh, I know this, but you do. It's learned experience. Yeah, because like some of my friends will be like, you know, oh, you love demons. And it's like, I don't love demons. Like mm-hmm. some, some like... I don't love that. I'm actually take all precautions, like tell them, you know, all this stuff. And then, yeah, it's just been that. So it's like, it's hard learning to trust yourself. Oh my God. Completely, completely. And then, and then the changes that happen within you in your relationship. For me at first, I had an incredibly hard time performing when I was happiest in my personal life with Dave. Because think about my stand-up. It was all about being single and yeah. being horny and having sex. And yeah. I am not that person. And I didn't want to lose. I had to be like, well, who am I as a comic? Whoa. What the fuck do I talk about now? Yeah. I feel Everything. like a lot of people have that. Or like, or another big one is like people who are like depressed and get well, like they don't know what to talk about. Exactly. And it, 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 it it's, it's that whole thing. And I hate this, this statement, but people say, oh, you know, comedians are inherently sad and we're working out our trauma. And I don't fully believe that, but I do understand that when things are going really well in your personal life, there's something about the, no one wants to hear how great you're doing. Yeah, there's like, there's also that like lack of that compulsion like goes away a little bit. But like Rosebud has a really good joke about that, uh, about about falling in love. Like no one, uh, it's like, um, it's like a, it's like a fart. It feels good for you, but no one else wants to be around (laughs) it. She's so 
stellar. That's yeah. so well. It's. I mean, I couldn't agree more. Right. But I. But I. You know. I'm just excited to see who you end up with. Again, oh, it's, oh, it's not the Thank whole you. like. Is she? It's just like, oh, I can't wait for it to happen, and I can't wait to see who it's going to be and what oh it'll be like. Thank you for vision holding for me. I think the thing that also makes it hard and scary is that I'm so picky. Like I mm-hmm. and anyone, everyone knows that about me. I am <laughs> extremely picky because I do feel I know exactly what I want. Yeah. And I think that I don't think that that's a bad thing, though. And you know what, though, Blair, you'll find too the pickiest fucking person in the world. You'll be surprised when you meet somebody what you're willing to have wiggle room about oh yeah it's not really that like it's more just like I really need at this point in my life and like who I've become and transformed into like I really need someone who makes me feel completely safe and like is is a like in their own integrity because that is and like is also very family oriented which has been a thing like that um I is like not in these people like entertainment man. Oh, um, I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. It's yeah, it it's 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 wild. It, it, it yeah. I think that God it, the past couple of years for me, I feel like everything has changed because I also, you know, I lost my mom. I got engaged. Yes. Oh my like, god, you have everything. had a crazy few years. <laughs> But I guess that's how it happens, right? It's like it all happens at once. That's what they say. And I think that like in terms of of Dave, you know what? I'm curious to see if this will be a challenge for you. Maybe it won't be. But you and I have both, you know, we're very independent, right? We have been living on our own on this grind. And I, I was so nervous and still get nervous sometimes about becoming too dependent on him, especially with losing my mom. Right. I have clung like attachment to Dave. Yeah. Clung to him. And I get worried because I'm like, oh my God, am I losing myself? But then then it's like, but I share my life with this person. He's gonna be my husband. And it's like it, it's just when when you're so independent like us for so long and just chasing this carrot and everything, it's just it's an interesting transition to find yourself in a safe relationship and to see how you're going to react. Ugh, I can't wait. I just want to <laughs> like, yeah, I want to have babies and be like Ali Wong where I like show up to my 730 spot <sighs> at the comedy store and then go oh home. Oh my God. I'm obsessed. I, I am obsessed when Megan Gailey was pregnant and even Megan Gailey's little fucking baby who I'm obsessed with. Like, yeah, that is I was like, oh, I've never been more jealous. Uh, Just seeing her adorable belly at the mics and the shows. I love it. Yeah, and, like, it's so weird. Like, I envy my friends. (laughs) We're getting so fucking deep on this podcast. This is... (laughs) This is fucking Blair so- Blair Joe Rogan Saki podcast right now. Dear Joe Blair Saki Rogan. Um, no, but I envy my friends that know, my girlfriends that know for a fact that they don't want kids because I'm like, oh my God, that must be fucking blissful. Like I, but I do have that pull inside myself. And like, as I get older, like this very Italian family side and like, I have all these nieces and nephews, which I think totally yes. changed 
everything. And because I wasn't really like sure. I was like, I don't know if that will be in my thing. And then I was like, oh, no, I definitely I love them so much. I can't even imagine how much I love I would love my own kids. I feel the same way. I have my ne- I have one, only have one nephew, but he's my I know. My I love world. the pictures. Yeah. He's my world. I cannot believe I love him that much. And I yeah, think, oh, yeah. he's not even mine. Right. He's my nephew. But like, yeah. oh, yeah. I have one of my favorite jokes that I have right now. And, and every time I do it, it's coming together more. And I'm very excited about it. But it's just about, you know, it's a joke that I have, all, that I have time to figure this out. But of course I don't. And then I have this kind of, enraged panic at the crippling weight of feeling like you have to make this decision in 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, And it's so true because it's like, I, I never wanted it. I never wanted kids until recently. Yeah. And then men just can do whatever the fuck they want where they can make Jagger can get someone pregnant when he's 76 years old. It's absolutely insane. But I guess I don't know. There's some reason God <laughs> wanted for us to be women. That's insane. I um, can't believe uh, we're talking about having children. Oh, my God. I know. And like my deep relational longing and, um, you know, debilitation. Uh, yeah. No, everyone knows everything after this podcast, probably. I shared so much about myself. <laughs> me too. Oh my God. Me too. That was like extremely vulnerable, but all true. Um, all true. God. And I don't regret it. I don't regret it. Maybe. I don't know. I'll probably feel vulnerable after this, but um, <laughs> I, we do have to wrap up. I just have to say a few things. Um, me, myself, and Irene, I love that movie. No one talks about it that much. Um, also eternal sunshine of the spotless mind really fucked me up, especially because, um, breakups used to destroy me for like years. Really? Not years. No, but like, like like a breakup, my long-term relationships when I was younger, like the way of breakup would hit me was so hard. Now I like handle them very well, which thank God I never saw that happening for me. <laughs> but um oh my God, when I saw Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, I was like, I have never, I have never related to anything more deeply. This is the most beautiful cinema I have ever been exposed to. The range, the the pathos, the depth, the humanity that Jim Carrey can bring to this role after bringing comedy to like unruly comedy to the masses for a year. I mean, incredible. Incredible. Transformative. It you is know, transformative. Completely oh, formative years of my life were, were spent just diving into that movie. And if, I, if it was on TV right now, I'd watch it. I'd oh my God, it. I would watch the shit out of it if I'd it was on TV right now. And then he dated, and then he dated Jenny McCarthy. Odd, but. <laughs> when know. I loved them for, I used to love Jenny McCarthy. Like MTV singled out. She was one of the I, first she was so funny hot. girls I'd ever seen. And she was She hot. was so hot and funny and charismatic on single. Now she's like anti-vax and shit, but exactly. I don't know. Exactly. And that really own. bummed, you know, ex- <laughs> Right. But before I, but I was elated when those two first got together, elated. Cause I was like, I love her. I love him. I was so happy. Iconic couple. Very bizarre. Mm-hmm. Very bizarre. Ugh. All right. We do have to end. I, we like to end the podcast. This is very exciting. This segment we have called Fan on the Street. Fan on the Street. where we have a, our Blair Bears write in 
um, <laughs> with a fun celebrity anecdote run in. Of course, just to remind、um, the Blair Bears, if you have a story you want read, e- email it to dearowenwilsonpod at gmail.com. My, my producers will be checking those.、Uh, With、uh, great anticipation. And I'll just do this one really quick. This is from a fun and exciting and incredible listener that I want to thank deeply, Lauren. And this is hers. In 2008, I was eating spaghetti at New York City's Locanda Verde with my dad and friend, and I was pretty drunk. We noticed that Conan O'Brien was seated next to us. We finished, and on our way out of the restaurant, I walked up to his table. He was eating with someone. I remember nothing. I pointed my finger in his face and said, I'm watching you, funny man. I then spun around on my heels and walked away. No idea what he did. Didn't wait for a response. Just walked out. I always wonder if this was normal, if he remembers. People were like, did he mention you on his show the next day? This was when he was on TV. I have no idea. Woo, thank you, Lauren. Oh my God. Lauren, you've got bald. That is awesome. I love the not waiting for a response. <laughs> <laughs> I would never in my life go up to a celebrity or even a regular non celebrity. So I am amazed by other people. I. I am the shyest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get very starstruck. And I have, I have famous friends. I know. <laughs> like we have friends that are famous. But yeah, I will still see, like, even my, my Nicole Byers, one of my best friends. Yes. And I will still be like, oh my God, like, what is that person like? Like, I, I know. I, I geek out when she tells me she like, knows these people. I'm like, what are they like? Every time I see her, I ask her questions about like everyone. <laughs> I like to. I absolutely、source. drilled her about John Cena like to death. She gave me everything I, I wanted to know. I, we'll, we'll have to talk because I grilled her about John Cena too. And I have to say, she raved about that、oh, man. Outstanding、and、reviews. I, like, I was sucking up every detail. Like, me、yes, too. Because I really wanted John Cena to be. A good one. She's like, he,、uh, for all of you listening out there, the T is that he's even better than you could have imagined, nicer, funnier, cooler. Yes.、Um, God, this was so good. Okay,、uh, Christy, please promote now anything you would want to promote and where can we find you? Oh, I don't know when this comes out, but Caroline's is October. In a few weeks. Okay, great. So maybe it'll already be passed, but if not, Caroline's on October 2nd. And then just、um, ch- follow me at Christy Cello. Oh, God, this was too good. I enjoyed myself so much. You guys, thank you so much. R- make sure you rem-、uh, write in your fan on the street、uh, stories. Follow Christy. Go see her at Caroline's. Follow me. Like, rate, review. Do- you know what to do. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, Watch how far I can kick this bucket. 
People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.